Raise your hand if you were afraid of the dark when you were a kid. Raise them up there. If you were afraid of the dark when you were a kid. Okay, keep them up real quick. Sorry. Got to do a quick poll. Okay, it seems like maybe two-thirds of us were afraid of the dark when you were a kid. Do you remember that feeling? I, I was super kind of nervous at night kind of kid. I remember laying there in bed, you know, and you're trying to calm down, and then you hear like, you know, some noise like a scratch or something, and you're like freaking out. And you're like, okay, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then you look, and your closet's cracked, and you're like, is there something in there? And then you call, you know, right? We all, maybe some of us, maybe a few don't, but a lot of us remember that feeling of being afraid at night when we were a kid. But I wonder, if we're honest with ourselves, as adults now, how many of us still struggle at night? Now, it probably isn't in the same way. No judgment if you still are afraid of monsters. Um, I won't judge you. This is a judgment-free zone. But, uh, but as adults, a lot of times nights can be hard. Because when it gets dark, we, we finally slow down, and we lay there, and our minds often start to race, right? We start thinking about the things that we're worried about. Maybe some of us replay the day and we start thinking about, man, why did I say that? Or should I, should I have said something different? Or maybe images come in our mind of, of people we've lost in our life and we miss. And the truth is, nights can be hard. Nights can be difficult. And I can even think of my life, even recently I've had a, t- a couple tough nights. The good news today is that we follow Jesus, and Jesus himself has experienced a hard night and some hard nights. And specifically, we're going to look at a night that Jesus went through that was uniquely challenging and difficult, and I think it's going to encourage a lot of us. See, we're in a series starting today called The Longest Weekend. And and the series is the next three weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to explore what Jesus was doing before Resurrection Sunday. So today I'm going to talk a bit about Thursday of the week. Next week we're going to look at Good Friday and what happened on that Friday. And the week after that we're going to look at Saturday. And then we're going to finish by celebrating Easter. And it seems like sometimes, right, we, we like to jump to Easter. We like to get, let's go to Easter, right, we'll celebrate. But it's easy to skip what happens sometimes before Easter, the challenges, the suffering, the pain, the frustration, the loneliness. And so we're going to spend a few weeks maybe dealing with some of those harder parts, those, those nuanced and challenging parts of the life of Jesus and the things he went through and, and often how many of us go through the exact same thing. So if you have your Bible, we're really going to spend a lot of time today just exploring a specific passage of Scripture. And so if you have a phone, that's great. Or if you have one of these Bibles, we have a few um, in the back outside if you wanted to grab those. And also, um, it'll be on the screen as well if you want to follow that way. But we're really going to look very closely at this story of Jesus. And I think the best way to think about this long night that Jesus went, went through, we can look at it in, in like three uh, acts, you know, like an acts and a play, like there's three acts. We're going to look at act one and act two and act three. And each act gets a little bit harder 
and a little tougher for Jesus. So we're going to start in Matthew 26, verses 17 through 46. So let's, uh, let's dive into this story, and let's see what Jesus has to say to us. But uh, before I do that, I did it last hour, and I'd like to do it this hour. Just, I want to just pray for us and just ask the Holy Spirit, uh, wherever we are today, just to speak to us. Let's pray together. Jesus, we just pause one more time, and, and we just surrender the next 20 or 30 minutes to you. Holy Spirit, however you want to speak to us, please do. Speak to those parts of our life that are, that are, that are the deepest, the hardest, the challenging. And Jesus, whatever I, whatever I say, I pray that people hear you, and they hear your heart and your deep love and deep affection. Amen. All right, so let's jump into this. Matthew 26, starting in verse 17, it says this. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, go into the city to a certain man and tell him, the teacher says my appointed time is near. I am going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus directed them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, Truly, I tell you, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him, one after the other, Surely you don't mean me, Lord. Jesus replied, The one who's dipped his hands into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. Jesus answered, You have said so. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So this is act one of this night, right? This is act one. And in order to understand a little bit of what's happening here, you need to understand that it was Passover week. And what Passover week was for the Jewish people, it was a chance for them to celebrate and remember their deliverance out of Egypt. Part of the Jewish story is that they were delivered from the Egyptians and found the promised land. And so what they would do is about once a year, they would gather together and share a meal, and they would celebrate that. And it was often called the Passover meal, or here, the, you know, the Festival of Unleavened Bread, a similar thing. But this was kind of an awkward meal, and it was a tension-filled meal. Have you ever been a part of a meal like that? Maybe it wasn't that awkward where someone said, you're going to betray me, but kind of an, a tense moment, right? Maybe you're with some family members and you just had a fight and now you're eating and you're just kind of sitting there and things feel a little uncomfortable. I, I want us to kind of feel what Jesus was feeling in that moment. You know, as we know, Jesus is about to go through something really, really, really difficult. And he's with his disciples and he utters those words. He says, you know, truly, I tell you, one of you will betray me. 
kind of interesting, right? Kind of tension-filled. It wasn't a comfortable meal. It wasn't a necessarily a calm meal. It was one that had lots of tension, really. So that's Act 1. Act 2 happens at what's called the Mount of Olives. So let's pick it up here in verse 31. Or in 30, excuse me. It says, when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Starting in verse 31, it says this. Then Jesus told them, this very night you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, classic, you know, Peter here. Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. So here's act number two in our play here, where where Jesus had just spent some time sharing this meal with his disciples. It was tension-filled. It was awkward because it was, they were talking about betrayal. There was a sense of uneasiness. And then they sing a song, and then they go to what's called the Mount of Olives. And rather than it calming down, things only get harder. Things only get kind of more awkward and more tense. Because he, he says again, he says, you know, one of you is going to betray me. And then he says, pretty much all of you are going to leave me. All of you are, 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 going, to, are going to disown me and, and look past me, and something bad is going to happen. And you can sense the, the tension is just building and building and building. And maybe some of you today feel like that's your story right now. You feel like there's just, there's just tension in your life. There's tension that's kind of not calming down. So you think, you know, man, this already was a difficult night for Jesus, right? He, he was with his disciples. He senses that someone's going to betray him. Then he, then he calls out Peter, and he's like, Peter, you're actually going to betray me. But it gets harder. This is where we're going to spend the rest of our time is, is in this last part of the, of the passage. And this is verse, verses 36 through 46. And, and this part of the passage is what's often known as the Garden of Gethsemane. And so Jesus' hard night gets even harder. And now Jesus really is desperate. So let's pick it up here in, in verse 36. It says, then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, If it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. 
When he came back, he found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed a third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. What a tough moment. See, Jesus had shared this meal. It was hard. It was tense. And then Jesus goes to another place, the Mount of Olives. And it was even a little harder and more tense. And then finally, Jesus, in all his desperation, is crying out in this garden. You know, as I did some study and tried to understand this passage and what was going on, I, I'm not a scientist. And I don't really understand things super well. But I figured looking at this, chances are this was like 3 or 4 in the morning, which I don't know about you, but that, that's a tough time. <laughs> like, I don't know if you've ever had one of those nights that was so long and so difficult, so challenging, that you find yourself wide awake at 3 a.m. And this is where Jesus is. And I can only imagine, right, what was going through Jesus' head. He was, he was feeling the weight of what was to come. He was feeling the weight of the cross. He was feeling the weight of this betrayal. And ultimately, he was desperate. You know, and as I, as I read this, there is a phrase that jumped out to me that Jesus said. And you might have heard it in the passage. And that phrase was four words. Jesus said, my soul is overwhelmed. My soul is overwhelmed. I wonder today if some of you relate to that. Maybe your soul is overwhelmed. And you might be asking, okay, what, what do you mean by soul? What's, what's a soul? Right, there's, there's the fatigue we feel when we exercise, right? You know, if you run 20 miles, you're going to be tired. You're gonna, your body's going to be overwhelmed, and you're going to feel exhaustion. You're going to feel like, man, I, I need to take a nap. That's one form of feeling overwhelmed. But that's not totally what, what Jesus is saying. And then there's kind of this mental fatigue, right, where maybe you've been thinking a lot in your brain, and you feel like, I've, I've been studying hard for a test, or maybe... You feel like you've, you've, you've been reading something deep and you're like, man, I, my brain needs a break. I need to just kind of take it off. That's more of that mental fatigue, but that's not exactly it. And then even there's sometimes this emotional fatigue. Maybe we go to a, a movie and it, it's really emotional and you walk out of that movie f- theater and you're like, oh, man, that was, that was a lot. You know, my, my emotions are, are spent. And that's close, but that's not exactly it. Your soul is something else. Your soul is is that deepest, most intimate, most raw part of yourself. Your soul is that part that many times we protect. It's that part that a lot of us don't like to expose because it's the part that's most vulnerable. It's the the part of our life, our soul is where we we store often our, our deepest fears, our biggest regrets, 
our, our biggest worries, our anxieties. And Jesus was honest enough to say, my soul is overwhelmed. And, you know, and I wonder, in a room like this with a hundred of us or so, if we pause amidst the chaotic world we live in, and if we step back, if we ask ourselves this question, is your soul overwhelmed? Is your soul overwhelmed? See, there's lots of things that can overwhelm our soul. Maybe some of you today, your soul is overwhelmed by grief. Maybe there's someone in your life who you loved deeply that passed away. Someone you cared about. Maybe it was a friend or a relative, a child, a sibling, a a grandparent. And that loss has just crippled you, and you feel like, my soul is overwhelmed. I am so exhausted. You know, maybe others of you, what's overwhelming your soul is a marriage that is struggling big time. You know, you come on Sundays, you try and put it on a good face, but at nighttime, you're sitting there, and you feel so disconnected from your spouse. And that time and time, eventually that leads to just your soul feeling overwhelmed. Maybe it's been a divorce in your life, something that was, a relationship that was, that that now isn't there anymore, and it just weighs on you day after day. Maybe some of you today are are sitting here, and you're worried about your physical body. Maybe there's a medical diagnosis that's about to happen, and and you sit in this tension, and you're you're unsure. And you don't know, is it going to come back okay? Am I I not going to be okay? Am I going to be sick? Is this... This is going to change something in my life. And, and, and you find yourself in the middle of the night just feeling overwhelmed. Maybe for, for others of you, it's financial stress. You feel like you, you can't get out under these, these bills, medical bills or debt or school debt. And you feel like you look at your finances and you're like, I just, I'm overwhelmed. Maybe some, it's your mental health. Maybe recently you've been diagnosed with something like anxiety or depression or, or post-traumatic stress or or OCD, and, and you don't know what that means. You're trying to figure out, what does that mean that someone said, I have, I have a, a mental health challenge that i got to figure out? You know, maybe others of you feel like there's a child or someone you love who you feel estranged from, and you feel way off from them. And you find yourself in the middle of the night being overwhelmed. And maybe one of those resonates with you. Maybe today, if you were really honest with yourself, you'd say, yeah, I'm, that's me. I'm just overwhelmed right now. And as human beings, there's this interesting thing we can do. We, we feel that, and so often what we want to do is we, we want to just put on a good face. We want to say, ah, I'm okay, and we push through. You know, we live in a culture of coffee and five-hour energy and, you know, or maybe do both of those, you know, multiple five-hour energy. We take 25-hour energies thinking, okay, 100 hours of energy. I don't know what your, your recipe is. But, right, that's what we do often. We live in a culture that says push through. Whatever's hard, push through. And don't get me wrong. There's seasons to push through. And 
I've pushed through and many of you have pushed through things. But underneath that, so often our souls are tired. Our souls are struggling. And and Jesus does something in this passage, and I wonder if you caught it or not. Jesus does something in this passage that I think he's inviting us to do the exact same thing. And you wonder, what, what is that? And here's what that is. Jesus goes directly to the Father. And he's honest with the Father. Jesus doesn't sugarcoat this. He says honestly to the Father, Jesus, I'm overwhelmed. He says, Father, I'm overwhelmed and I feel this way. My soul, I'm exhausted. I'm desperate. I need you. He's crying out. Then he goes back and finds his friends asleep. Then he goes back again and says, Father, I, I need your help. I, can you take this cup from me? I need you. I need you. All right, and then he goes back again, and his disciples are asleep. And he goes back another time. Father, I need you. I need you. I need you. I'm desperate. And I find that really remarkable, and I find that really challenging. Because I don't know about you, but my instinct so often is to not do that. My instinct is to look at my situation and just to push through or to control it or try and do it myself. So if you're in the room today and you sense, man, okay, this is me. There's a choice, and you'll see it on the screen. We have a simple choice to make. Will we control or trust? Control or trust? And I know what some of you might be thinking, like, Mark, that is so simple. That's such an easy solution. It's harder than that. And, and I'm here to say, I get it. It is harder than that, right? There are harder things. I understand. I understand that feels like that feels so simple But at the core of it, this is the choice. At the deepest core for us, church, today, this is the choice. Whatever we're facing, whatever right now in your life, when you find yourself at two in the morning, your soul, just like Jesus, is overwhelmed and you're desperate. This is the choice. Will I control or will I trust? See, Jesus knew something that I want you to know that the Father loved Jesus, that the Father was with Jesus. Paul is an author in the New Testament, utters these amazing words for some of us. We need to hear this today. In Romans, it says this. It says, rather, the spirit you received, this is the spirit of Jesus Christ, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. You know, that word Abba was a a term of endearment. It was a term of, of honest connection with God. See, Jesus knew no matter what he would face, that the Father would be with him. And church, some of you need to hear that today. Whatever you are facing, whatever that is that is overwhelming your soul, whatever that is that is stirring in your heart, and you find yourself overwhelmed, you find yourself at the end 
of your robe. You find yourself frustrated and scared and anxious and full of fear and full of doubt, full of depression, full of anger and disappointment. That is the place where we cry, Abba, Father. That's the place. And it would break my heart if if we were here today and we just said, yeah, I'm just going to control. I'm just going to control. And here's what I'd say to you. If if we do that, eventually, eventually we'll hit a wall. I'm not a big time uh, swimmer, but does anyone know what a riptide is? Anyone? Any? Okay, a few of you. See, I grew up in like muddy pond areas where like we swam in dirty ponds. So not as cool as like living on the beach in California, right? But often in oceans, there's this thing called a riptide. And pretty much what a riptide is, is it's a, it's a section of water that is really strong and the current's really strong. And what'll, what'll happen is it'll pull you under. And it, it, it's really like out of nowhere, you'll all of a sudden you feel like underneath you is, is pulling under. And if you're not careful, you'll drown. Because here's what, here's what happens. When you feel this riptide, you naturally resist it. And you swim really hard. So this is coming. And you only might be 50 feet from shore, but you swim, swim, so you're swimming all your energy. You're going as fast as you can. You're trying to survive this riptide. And you're afraid and you're freaking out and you're kicking and you're swimming, right? But here's what happens. If you do that, And what the people who study this say is if you do that, you will drown because you'll exhaust yourself. And your body will just, you will exhaust yourself and you will drown because you have no energy. But do you know how how you survive a riptide? Is you float. You, You stop. You stop resisting. And you float. You trust. You say, I, I'm going to stop. And you float. And what they say is, if you float, eventually that'll take you, it'll take you way out from shore. It'll take you maybe 100 yards, you know, 20 yards or 100 yards way out. But eventually you'll hit the end of that riptide and it'll be gone and you'll be able to float. And then you'll be able to just swim back to shore and you'll be okay. And as I think about our lives, when we feel overwhelmed, that's what we're doing. We are, when we feel overwhelmed, we have this choice. Are we going to resist? Are we going to swim? Are we going to control, 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 control? Is that, are we going to do that and eventually drown? Or are we going to trust? Are we going to surrender? Are we going to, with the same spirit of Jesus, say, Abba, Father, I need your help. I can't do this. Are we going to say that? Are we going to be honest? I can't do this. I need help. I need help. I need help. And some of you today, I believe, need to hear that very clearly. That you can trust the love of God. That You don't have to fight. You don't have to try and control your life. You don't have to nitpick everything in your life. You can trust God. And I'm here to say, you know, I've been there and I'm still in there in a lot of ways. And it doesn't mean it's easy, okay? It doesn't mean that if, if you float, it's great and, you know, everything's perfect. No, but what it means is you're going to be okay. It means you're not alone. And some of you need to hear that today. Some of you, like Jesus, you need to come to the Father and say, I'm done trying to control my life. 
and name it, whatever that is. Your marriage, your kids, your mental health, your emotional health, your physical health, your career. You know what it is. The Holy Spirit knows what that is. And as we, we will look at the life of Jesus and we'll explore it, and you'll see it gets hard. It gets really hard for Jesus. But eventually Jesus is faithful and then there's hope. There is hope. But church, I'm, I'm here to say it starts with honesty. It starts by being honest with the Father. And I wonder if some of you today, you've never really come to the Father at the depth of your soul. You've cried out, to the Father, maybe in small ways. But I wonder at the very depth of your soul, that deepest part, that part that is like a little kid and is afraid and needs help. I wonder if today your calling is to come and to trust. And so what we chose to do is we were thinking about how, how can we respond to this? How can we how can we make this step? I thought, you know, let's let's celebrate the meal that Jesus shared. You know, Jesus shared this meal like we read earlier in that first part of of the story. Jesus was with his disciples, and he knew what was to come. Jesus knew it was going to be difficult, but he said, you know, this is my body, and this is my blood poured out for you, poured out for the forgiveness of sins. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to make that that choice, and we're going to choose to trust. And and what we're going to do is we're going to create some space intentionally, just we're going to create open space for you to come and take these elements. And you can take them at your own pace. So when, when you're ready, what I'd encourage you to do is just to come grab some of the juice and some of the bread, and you're welcome to take them here or if you want to take them back to your seat. And let's use these as symbols of the choice that we have.